ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. Depending on who you talk to, he was either loved or loathed. Now, the Premier of Victoria, Daniel Andrews, who led the state through one of the longest COVID lockdowns in the world, has resigned. Today, former long-term ABC radio host and Vice-Chancellor's Fellow at the University of Melbourne, John Fain. On the Victoria, Mr Andrews leaves behind and his legacy. Today I will again visit Government House and resign as Premier and Member for Mulgrave, effective 5pm tomorrow. It's not an easy decision because as much as we've achieved together, there's so much more to do. But when it's time, it's time. John Dan Andrews, he came to office nine years ago in November 2014, so he's been around for a while, hasn't he? He's the longest standing leader of the current coterie, and I'd submit to people in particular around the nation, he's probably the best communicator of any of mm. them. He has an uncanny knack for knowing how to connect to the people of Victoria. And for those sceptics listening either in Victoria or around the rest of the nation saying, oh, such a divisive, polarising figure, can I remind everybody right at the start that we had an election less than a year ago and Dan Andrews increased his parliamentary majority contrary to almost every commentator's expectations. Now, that speaks for itself. Yeah, he's pretty smooth, isn't he? I mean, he's a pretty good politician in terms of handling the media, handling the public. He's smooth. He's uh, he's an accomplished thinker and performer. Mm-hmm. He, early in his career, was often underestimated and he used that to his advantage. Early on, he was dismissed as a policy wonk, as a sort of tall, slightly kind of almost shoulders hunched figure who, you know, with thick glasses, who, you know, seemed a bit dorky and he loved the fact that people underestimated him. But then it turned completely and towards the later years of his premiership, He was, I think, pretty annoyed that he wasn't getting what he thought was the respect he deserved and Mm. felt entitled to as the the senior political figure. And that played out in particular in his refusal to be lectured by, in particular, certain commercial media figures, obviously Neil Mitchell at 3AW, who he just wouldn't talk to point blank. And, Mm. you know, I, I don't think I'm blasting any sort of, you know, national secrets out here, but he basically, his attitude was, well, I'm not prepared to go in there and be treated like a naughty schoolboy being called into the headmaster's office. I'm, you know, it's just not appropriate and I'm not going to put up with it. Well, John, let's have a look at why he's actually stepping down now, because as you mentioned, he was elected in November last year again, and at that time he said he'd be sticking around for the full four years. So that's changed. <laughs> Yeah, and 
premiers all and prime ministers say that at every election. And, you know, regular commentators, you take that with not just a grain, but a, a pillar of salt. You know it's not true, but you know also they have to say it. That's part of the, you know, the performance of politics. Mm. Of course, that's just, the, that's just the reality and the real world of politics. You never want to finish up in a situation where you aren't enjoying the work and where you are resentful of the fact that you're doing this and not doing something else. I'm not at that point, but I'm determined never to get to that point. And having made this decision today, not an easy decision... Uh, but a really important one, uh, I won't get to that point. His critics say that he's divided the state. You kind of get a sense that you either love him or loathe him. Yeah, he's polarising in that sense. Mm. The people who love him love him unconditionally and the people who were furious with him uh, were more animated in their dislike of him than they were for most other political figures. Mm-hmm. And the whole you know, COVID reaction that we've seen and what are called COVID cookers, people who have seemingly become detached from the real world and often their families and friends. That's, uh, in many ways, that's been focused on Dan Andrews and I suppose all those people are popping champagne. But from the point of view, I mean, if you if you look at the sensible centre of Victorian politics and you look at the electoral results, the vast majority of Victorians quite clearly expressing their view in the ballot box were grateful for his stewardship during our COVID and um, and extended mm. lockdowns. And, yeah, it was difficult. Goodness, I mean, you know, anyone who lived through it is scarred, there's no doubt. But you blame the virus for that, not the Premier who was in charge at the time of the virus. So, mm. yeah, in that sense, it was a polarising time and he became a polarising figure. My attitude during COVID, and I don't think I'm alone here, was that I don't actually know who would have done a better job of being in charge in Victoria at that time. And it was when COVID hit that he really came to national yeah. prominence. You know, his his name became known across the country. Well, he and Gladys Berejiklian informed this, this pact that anything that either one of us does won't work unless we both do it together. Mm. And I think that was very far-sighted and in many ways they dragged Scott Morrison kicking and screaming along on several initiatives that they insisted upon in the States, that whole national cabinet, which was not a national cabinet because there's no such thing in our constitution, they just made it up. But that bringing together of state leaders with the federal leadership was unprecedented in Australia's history. Mm. But I think it served us well. If you look at how we went through COVID and compared it internationally with pretty much anyone else, you'd have to say, well, uh, you'd rather have been in Australia during COVID than, I mean, you look at the death tolls per capita pretty much in any comparable economies mm. and societies and you'd say, well, you've just got to go, wow. Yeah. You, you just, wow. But hard to forget how he locked down public housing towers, for instance. I mean, those images were beamed around the world. Tonight, 3,000 people in nine public housing towers placed into full lockdown as Victoria's coronavirus crisis worsens. There will be no one going in other than residents who are returning home and no one will be allowed out. Yeah, for which he deservedly got a whack from the Ombudsman, Human Rights Commission and so on. And um, he, you know, they, they acted precipitously and and the you know the, the people in those housing towers quite rightly have maintained a grievance and those of us who empathize with their plight of course go well how could you do that but their attitude at the time 
was to look at the bigger picture. Uh, you know, there was an inquiry in Victoria conducted by former Royal Commissioner and former Judge Jenny Coate. She tried to get to the bottom of who made which decision. It was amazing how many people couldn't remember the details of who said what to mm. whom and when. It was amazing how many people had gaps in their diaries. <laughs> it was just extraordinary. But And not excusing the failures and not excusing the faults, um, but if you step back and in the, the broad sweep of history, if you look back at it, it you know, I think those things will be minor blips on the on the timeline. And then, of course, he went off recently and he just cancelled the Commonwealth Games. Well, that was quite a moment, John. <laughs> it sure was. Um, I was astonished when they agreed to hold the Games. Uh, yes. I, I must say I was probably less surprised when they cancelled them. And in fact, I think many Victorians felt a sense of relief. Uh, I will not take money out of hospitals and schools in order to fund an event that is three times the cost uh, as estimated and budgeted for last year. The uh, Games will not proceed uh, in Victoria in 2026. Uh, we have so it's not a perfect copybook. It's not a, a great class interview report for Dan Andrews at the end of his tenure. Weighing up against that, you know, the level crossing removal, phenomenally popular. So in suburban Melbourne, unlike most other capital cities, there's an extensive heavy rail network, but it was always built at ground level. So you didn't have flyovers and tunnels. It was level crossings. And as more and more trains were being scheduled and the timetable was being improved, it means the boom gates are down more than they're up, mm -hmm. which means the arterial roads that have got those level crossings are just gridlocked. So you had to get rid of the level crossings. So announcing this level crossing removal program for metropolitan Melbourne oh my God, you're transforming whole communities here. Mm. And it's been phenomenally popular wherever it's happened and it's modernised the, the heavy rail system and at the same time allowed this enormous investment in transport infrastructure. So, John, what is this change likely to mean for the citizens of Victoria? Dan Andrews, you know, he's pretty sure. unique in his approach to things. Will he be missed or is it rather don't let the door hit you on the way out? <laughs> Depending on who you talk to, I suppose. Well, I mean, I think the opposition will be delighted because they could barely put a dent in him. Um, his likely successor he's been grooming, and that's a woman who's been the minister for a lot of the infrastructure and was originally the transport minister. Her name is Jacinda Allen. She has been his deputy since the last state election and very much his anointed successor. So whether the Labor Party deliver that for him or not, I guess we'll find out. But I suspect, and I don't know, I've been hitting the phones like everyone and, and I, I suspect the timing, the suddenness of his departure is to deny his internal factional enemies the chance to continue plotting to put someone else in when he leaves. And his fear was if he waited till next year. And there was a fair bit of speculation that he'd he'd quit next Easter or he'd come back from the Christmas holidays in February and go, oh my God, I can't crank myself back up again. But um, which was actually, I had a wager with a mate about that. I've lost. <laughs> but um, there's a bit of stuff swirling around. There was a bit of bit of movement in some unions about moving numbers behind uh, the current transport minister, Ben Carroll, and trying to deny Andrews the successor that he wanted, in which case he's ambushed his own internal foes in order to catch them unprepared. Mm, all right. And his legacy? I think his legacy, the, the negative first, his legacy is he has even by John Howard, Scott Morrison or Jeff Kennett standards, he has centralised power into the hands of the leader 
like Victorians have never seen before. Now, that's been happening federally and state, Labor and Liberal, leader after leader, anyone, long-term leaders tend to do that. I don't think it's good. On the other hand, he's shaped Victoria like any long-standing leader. Um, and the big shifts are things like abortion reform, voluntary assisted dying, supervised injecting centres. Those are things that change our, our community. He's been an incredibly inclusive Premier really early on. You'd m go back and look at all the pictures of his press conferences. There was always, you know, diversity on display in the people who'll gather at the back of the set stage. All of that is very deliberate. It's not stage managed and superficial. That's just how he runs. And I think that's a legacy that will endure. John Fain is a former ABC Radio Mornings presenter and Vice-Chancellor's Fellow at the University of Melbourne. This episode was produced by Bridget Fitzgerald, Lara Corrigan, Anna John and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Woolley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.